Hello, my magical friends. My name's Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 109th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. It's Creator Week, so let's get to today's topic. <laughs> So this one is an interesting episode because it's the first time in a little while that this is a little bit of a preview sort of chat. So for this particular episode, you'll probably notice it's a bit shorter owing to the fact that uh, this is not a series I was able to read in advance. It's still being worked on, but we are here to talk about Black Rhapsody. If you're on social media, you've probably seen this around if you're in the Magical Girl space or the artist space on Twitter. And they finally started their crowdfunding campaign, which is when we got to talking about the show here. So just some warnings before we get into it. And also just before you click on over to go buy the thing. Black Rhapsody is absolutely a Magical Girl series for adults in every sense of the word. So, you know, for this one, I think it's fine to listen to if you are underage, if you're a, one of our teenage listeners. As always, I appreciate your listens. I do have to give the warning that it is not necessarily safe for young ones to read. Um, Yeah, I think... The only other thing I wanted to mention, yes, if you're going to click through to check out the campaign is, you know, some of the imagery of the series is very grotesque, um, which is a kind of selling point. There's also some erotic material as well. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Just like if you're clicking over to the link, uh, don't do it at work, please. But otherwise, you know, it is all there for you to check out. There are some discussions of heavy topics briefly, but we don't talk about anything in detail. So just keep that in mind as we get into the episode. Uh, one more thing just before we get into the chat. Um, I want to apologize for the audio quality in this episode. There was some stuff going on with my backup microphone that I didn't realize at the time until, of course, I was in the editing stage and I did my best to remove as much of the sound as possible. But if you hear anything that sounds like some odd echoes, like I'm in a cave or something, everything is fine. It's not your device. It is our end. But I have gotten it fixed so that it definitely will not happen in the future. So there's that. But my apologies. In any case. But otherwise, you know, sit back and relax and listen to this shorter chat with Miss Reina about her Magical Girl series, Black Rhapsody. So we are here today to talk about the upcoming Magical Girl series, Black Rhapsody, and I'm very excited to get to know the creator. Can you please introduce yourself? 
Hello, I am Ms. Serena. My pronouns are she and her, and I am the writer and creator of Black Rhapsody. Great. So I've definitely seen this around on Twitter for a while. I can't remember exactly when I first saw it, but uh, you've been kind of promoting it for a while, but finally actually launched the uh, crowdfunding campaign just a little while uh, ago. So we'll definitely get into that. But first, what is your history with the uh, magical girl genre? Oh, yes, I grew up on Magical Girls as a kid. Well, my again, this is probably a, a basic answer. I grew up on things like Car Captor Sakura, Sailor Moon, and there was another Magical Girl Throwing Me, Wings Club. Because those were the ones that I was exposed to before, you know, the internet, you know, made anime so readily accessible. Sure, sure. And yeah, one of my favorite anime of all all time, especially as a kid, this is before newer stuff like Madoka came out, was My Hime. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the longest time, I was obsessed with that anime because I just liked the concept of it. Sure. That one is very interesting. Um, we haven't done any episodes yet on that particular series that we did do an early episode on uh, My Otome. Oh, I, I never finished it. That's the thing. Yeah. I watched it, but I never finished it. Yeah, but what's really fascinating about that series is that's one of those um, Magical Girl series that, like, when it was airing, it was really big, but the popularity just kind of died down over time. It's really fascinating. Like, that there's a chunk of series like that, I guess from every decade, but that's just one of the ones that happened to fall through the cracks for a lot of people. But yeah, what do you think it was about Mahime in particular that really like stood out to you compared to other magical girls? The fact that it didn't have like traditional magical girl transformation, but instead it was more like how it? it was more like JoJo in that it had these the creatures were representations of different figures from Japanese mythology, mm-hmm. as well as the girls themselves. It was basically Magical Girl JoJo, if I had to best explain it. <laughs> sure, sure. But I also like the characters in the story. I like Maya as a character because I can relate to her a lot, especially as an older sibling. Hmm. And to have her, well, I don't want to spoil, but there's an unfortunate death that happens later on in the series that kind of hit me hard. Mm-hmm. When she ultimately fails to save the person that she devoted herself to protecting Hmm. I see. I see. Yeah. I mean, I do think there were definitely a lot of reasons for it to be very popular. And like a lot of other series, there can be very heartbreaking things. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's how that's, you know, what you grew up with. But um, what is your relationship to Magical Girl series like today? I mean, you you mentioned Madoka. Did you watch that series when it was uh, airing? I didn't watch Monica until like two years after it aired. That, that's when I was mm-hmm. in my college days. I haven't been keeping up a lot with Match Girl or an anime in general just due to the fact that I've been busy with school and work. Sure. That makes sense. <laughs> totally natural and normal. The last Match Girl show that I actually w- watched was Magic Girl Raising Project. And that was just... It was kind of bad just due to the fact that it was more spectacle than character driven Hmm. like the characters don't really change all that much you only get to know them as people Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there were a lot of characters in that short series, so that makes sense. Um, I haven't read the the novels yet that it was adapted from, but me either. I wonder if that's something that's like more clear in the novels, but certainly that is definitely a valid criticism of uh, that particular series. I guess that's, you know, very great context. So thank you for sharing. And we can get into Black Rhapsody. So it's uh, already like just from the, the concept and like the art that you have out on the crowdfunding campaign and everything is just very like striking and, you know, very fascinating. So how did this get started? What made you decide that you wanted to make your own Magical Girl series? Um, to start a few years ago, I originally was writing this was when I was like a teenager. Mm-hmm. I originally wrote an edgy story and I hated it because at that point when I was a teenager I had no concept of writing or char- or like character storytelling, character development. Mm-hmm. So it was just bad. But it wasn't until like I think two, three years ago, in my last few years of college, I decided to go through with Black Rhapsody, and I specifically wanted to be Magical Girls because I like Magical Girls, and I want to do my own concept, because that's something I always dream of, doing my own take on the Magical Girl genre. Sure, sure. So based on that, did you change the the kind of like, did you take that, like the base of that original story idea from when you were a teenager and kind of like just revise it until it became this series? Yes, I mainly took the characters, the main characters, Alethea, Alavina, and, Mo- and others, and repurposed them for this story. Hmm, hmm. Interesting. So for anyone who is unfamiliar, and um, of course, this is still in the middle of crowdfunding, so this isn't something that people can readily read right now, not just yet, but <laughs> what basically is Black Rhapsody about? Black Rhapsody is a 35-page plus manga as horror cultural comic about musical magical girls fighting a evil goddess turned pop star for the fate of the world. It takes the darkness of Madoka Magica and combines it with Kintaro Miura's Berserk with a bit of Gem in the Hologram sprinkled in. <laughs> yes, yes. So certainly even from the art that we can already see that we can get that sense of like a little bit of a grotesque kind of image going on with like some of the monsters and things. But yeah, it definitely sounds really interesting already. So I'm curious because I'm not familiar with Berserk. Like I've seen the art. I'm familiar with uh, Miura. Like I understand that it has a very big following, but I don't really know, I guess, what makes Berserk special like compared to other series of the type or like what is it exactly that you're taking from Berserk and, you know, adding to a Magical Girl series? Yes, the reason one of the reasons Berserk is very popular is just is a character driven storytelling. Hmm. The main character Gus, he gets put through absolute hell, but he still manages to come out on top. Like it's more of a story about adversity and overcoming trauma, hmm. which is why it has such a big following. And Black Rhapsody takes a lot of that from Berserk, especially when it comes to characters being met with like horrific enemies creatures that they have no chance of winning but still trying your best to do the right thing and to not give in to despair Mm -hmm. okay sounds really intriguing so just to make it i guess uh, clear i get out the way who would you say is the target audience for 
the series? Yeah, but for my series, I would say fans of it's mainly adult, like people over 18, but mainly fans of dark magical girl stories like Madoka or um, My Hime. Okay. Yeah, I was, I guess, mostly wondering because I know that uh, one of the perks for the the crowdfunding campaign was uh, i guess uh some like not safer work prints and stuff so i know that that is like of an adult uh character i guess i don't know exactly how she falls in and stuff but just uh i guess that kind of makes it more clear as far as the uh the audience we expect <laughs> for the series um so yeah it's for adults yeah yeah which is cool you know that's, that's fine as long as we were aware <laughs> don't want anyone accidentally reading it when they're not ready but yeah, so what is it that we can expect from, you know, this first campaign? Because this is obviously for the first volume, I would expect we're going to see more story further down the line, maybe some more campaigns and stuff. So what can we expect from this first volume? You can expect to get to know Aladia as a character hmm. and how the story kind of like unfolds. It actually unfolds in a pretty humorous way, like why the main villain goes after Aladia. Mm-hmm. It also references to like Greek mythological figures. Hmm. I see. I see. Very interesting. Once you decided to make this idea, I'm curious. Like, how did you find your team and get everything together? Ah, uh, I'm a team. So you're specifically asking about my artist, correct, for the book? Yeah, yeah. You know, your artist, and I know there are some other, there's some other prints and so on that are also involved with the uh, the project. Yes, I found my my main artist on the book Jan Apple through Art Station, hmm. and I fell in love with her art style, and I contracted her onto the project. For the other artists that you see on the campaign, I had contacted them as well through Art Station, hmm. and asked them if they wanted to contribute pieces to the project, and they and they agreed to it. Hmm. Awesome. So, what do you think it is about? Um... I guess the art style that really drew you felt that like connected to the the project. I always wanted to do my own manga. All the creators I know are more oriented to the Western art style. Hmm. I'm kind of the opposite. I'm one of the few who like intentionally went out to find manga artists to work on my project because that's how I always saw Black Rhapsody as a manga rather than a traditional comic hmm. or traditional Western comic. Hmm. I see. That makes sense. The art that we've already seen so far is very striking. So I could definitely see um, why she was a, a good match. And um, what was it like trying to get the actual you know, the crowdfunding campaign together? Because there's like a lot of extra stuff and perks and so on. So like, uh, how did you come up with this project? Because it sounds like you're very busy as well. So. <laughs> yeah, I got help from um, friends who have done crowdfunding. Hmm. To kind of show me how to set my campaign goal, how to set the pricing for the book, and as well as the other perks, what not to do with the Indiegogo campaign. Mm -hmm. Try to network with other creators who are more experienced in the crowdfunding scene than I was. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. And um, I know that you, you're sharing these things, especially on Twitter under the name Magical Media. So I'm curious, are you planning to make other Magical Girl stories in the future? Yes, uh, not particularly Magical Girl, but more like female-oriented fantasy stories. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so what other projects do you have as like 
I guess, other than Black Rhapsody? <laughs> um, I do have like a, a working project, but that's not until like way later. Sure. Once Black Rhapsody has like enough like story content. I have a project that's kind of like, it's kind of like Game of Thrones, but centers on princesses. Hmm. as well as kind of having slight magical girl elements but that's like i i need to understand how to write a, a political story sure. first of all because i have no idea how to do that okay and i was thinking about watching you're probably familiar with this anime revolutionary girl utena sure because yeah. that has a lot of elements to what, what i want this other story to be about hmm. like it was about a, a girl that's a clone of a princess well, not exactly the same as Revolutionary Girl, but a girl that's a clone of a princess trying to basically fight for her right to be recognized by a royal family. Hmm. Because in this world, clones are not really considered... I might tweak it a bit more, but clones... But either way, clones are not really considered people in this world. Hmm. She's basically just a decoy used that is basically, you know, a body. Like, someone to dispose of when someone comes to try to assassinate the princess. I see. I see. That makes sense. And sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so with that in mind, then, uh, how long do you see Black Rhapsody being? Because, you know, this first, this part one is, you know, about 35 pages. So that's about a standard, standard chapter for a Japanese style comic. I put on making Black Rhapsody an ongoing series. Hmm. So I, I have an ending, but that's like until way later. Gotcha. I'm going to probably pull a one piece. (laughs) I mean, that's good. If it's, you know, successful, then fantastic. Because that guy's very, very uh, successful. And, you know, he doesn't have to do anything else in his life after he finishes that up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So that sounds pretty exciting that you're able to, to get this all together. So beyond the first volume, what can people expect to see from Black Rhapsody? You're going to see other Magical Girls who are based off of different genres. The main character herself, Alethea, her Magical Girl persona is Hecate, who's based off the Greek goddess of witches mm. and ghosts and magic. So all the Magical Girls are going to be references to female mythological figures mm. of different pantheons. Mm. So you're going to have a Magical Girls based on, let's say... This is just at random, Amaterasu, the Japanese goddess of the sun, or Magical is based off of Isis, the Egyptian goddess of the sky. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's pretty interesting. So for now, we are starting with just one Magical Girl, but you know, over time, we'll get to see a team. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. Different Magical Girls based off of different music genres interacting with each other. Hmm. Very fun. Yeah. <laughs> so you did mention um, you named dropped the gem and the hologram. So I guess how does that particular influence come into the story? With the gem, you also have like the female, uh, this is like way later in the story, but also the female band aspect. Hmm. Different girls, different pop stars kind of interacting and doing duets with each other. Music in this world is kind of a power. Like the girls can utilize music to... um not only enraptured their arms, but also to fight. For example, the main character, Aldia slash Hecate, is based off the music genre of Ethereal Way, which is a goth music genre. Hmm. And when you actually, it's hard for me to explain, but when you actually hear it, it sounds like very ghostly. 
Interesting. Like very otherworldly, hmm. which kind of makes sense considering the god she is based on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And through her music, I would say Hecate is a necromancer type of character. To clarify that, she doesn't like control the dead. Hmm. That's more of Hades' things. He controls the dead. With Hecate, she can like draw them to her, but they have to want to come to her. Oh, I see. So the dead kind of has the power, like, I can call to you, I can listen to you. Or I could just ignore you completely because uh, you're just a stranger to me. But for example, if Hegarty's in front of like, and this does play into her myth, if she's in front of a murderer, she can use her song to call the victim of that murderer, have them meet out their justice. Again, it puts the power back in the hands of the dead. Hmm. I see. Yeah, and when she performs in front of a crowd. She can actually reunite the dead person with their loved one one last time before they move on, giving them a sort of closure. Hmm. I see. That sounds very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that actually plays out with like monster fights and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So why did you go with mythology and like goddesses of different pantheons as opposed to, say, making up your own goddesses. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a combination of both because the main like creation goddesses in Black Rhapsody are kind of like my own creation. Hmm. But I went with the whole real life mythology aspect because I love mythology. I feel as though it doesn't like certain types of goddesses don't get represented enough in media or get misrepresented. For example, Hecate being the goddess of witches is not going to get represented very good especially in today's media who just doesn't understand the particular gods hecate is one of my favorite gods mm-hmm. and i think she gets a bad rap because she's associated with the dark arts mm-hmm. now that people don't really understand that hecate is not really an evil character she's she is again well she is greek so take what you will from that <laughs> sure she is capable of evil but that's like super rare and it's usually because someone provoked her into doing it Mm-hmm. One of the stories that best represents Hecate as a character is the classic Persephone and Hades myth. The love story between, you probably already heard of it because sure. of Lore Olympus, but Hecate plays an integral role because she was the one who witnessed Persephone get kidnapped by Hades, and she is the one to reunite Persephone with her mother Demeter. Mm-hmm. Kind of shows that there's a heroic aspect to her. She didn't do it just because of, for herself, she did it for others. She's the goddess that she's the goddess that guys lost souls, kind of like how I depict her in Black Rhapsody. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think in general she doesn't get represented often, and when she does, I do agree that it's often very negatively. I think the only other time I've ever seen her, like I guess in uh, in modern media depicted, like in a, I guess a neutral way, if anything, is um, the Daughters of the Moon book series. The generally call upon Selene, the other moon goddess, but like uh, with the dark side of the moon and everything, one of them is able to also call upon Hecate and it's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I guess how many magical girls are there going to be in total? Um, I plan on having a lot of them, like at least 10. Ooh, wow. That's great. <laughs> but depending on how the story goes, most of them might not stick around. Hmm. So I'll put having for the main girls like five, 
Mm-hmm. So you got the magical girl that's kind of of Nether, which is the one that can interact with spirits and the dead. One that represents earth, the other that represents water, one that represents fire, and the other that represents air. So different elements based on different goddesses. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, it sounds very, very exciting. <laughs> so I guess with that, so then you have like basically your main team and then you have like other magical girls that will help from time to time, but they're doing their own stuff. Without spoiling the story, the girls are kind of like, they're kind of like falling with each other because they literally have no choice but to work with each other. Hmm. Just due okay. to the fact that you got other elements that's coming after them. Hmm. You know, obviously, it's very clear that, like, everything is very planned out for this first um, chapter, so or for this first volume, rather. So, I guess, um, how far along have you written? Like, how far along are you planning before, you say, like, the second volume or what have you? The second part is already written and edited, as well as the third. I'm oh, currently great. working on the fourth part. But because of other obligations, that's been put to a back burner. Mm-hmm. I see. You know, you did mention that this is something that you've been planning for quite a few years now. So are you planning to also take this, I guess, uh, on the road? Because I know a lot of the indie comics, you know, a lot of people will go to like conventions and stuff. But, you know, with everything going on in the past few years, that's become more and more uh, difficult. I do want to do conventions eventually, but I'm going to wait until my story is like up to at least like part three hmm. or four to start doing cons. Cause I would love for people to buy the first three in bulks yeah, so they can like get all caught up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, I want to say to go back to your other question that slipped my mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. No problem. Another inspiration is the wicked and the divine. That I took the concept for Black Rhapsody, the idea of gods as pop stars from that book. The only issue I had with that book was how the characters were written. Hmm. They were not likable people. Oh, I see. And I felt as though they kind of wasted the concept of gods as pop stars. Hmm. So I wanted to like repurpose it in my own way, which is why I have these different goddesses in the story based off of different music genres. Hmm. I see, I see. I'm not familiar with this series, but that is interesting. I guess the, the issue was mostly from a, a character perspective. You, you seem very focused on character-driven narrative, so I'm very excited to get to read it and also get to know these um, characters. Is there anything you can tell us about the various characters for anyone who hasn't uh, had the chance to check out the series yet either on uh, indiegogo or elsewhere i do have other magical roles in the works there's a japanese magical role in the story that's based off of melodic death metal hmm. and she is named after a male deity instead of a female deity and there's a story there's a reason why i see for this character she doesn't she doesn't have the, the greatest of view when it comes to things like femininity she hates anything that's considered feminine because she's associated with weakness. Hmm. She, this character kind of grew up in like a very male dominated household. She's the daughter of a Yakuza boss. So she was around these like hard men and it didn't help that her father kind of infantilized her mm-hmm. because of her medical condition. This character is like an ice elemental. So it's very hard for her to withstand higher temperatures. 
So she was always confined to her house. Oh, I see. And the only songs that she could find was like metal music. The problem is her father doesn't think a girl like her should be listening to that type of music because he thinks it's like appropriate. Hmm. Like a young girl listening to metal, that's like, a, that's a male genre. Why don't you just listen to, you know, idol music or matter of fact, why don't you inspire to become a geisha? I'm like, if she's basically like that, I don't want to do that. So when she becomes a matchmaker girl, she, she dons a male's, um, you know, dis, uh, guys, because she thinks that only men, it, it's very similar to, if you're familiar with this game, are you familiar with Persona 4? I, I, I'm like oh, vaguely aware of it, but not really. <laughs> uh, have you watched the anime? The anime adaptation? No, I haven't. Okay, um, you might not know that she's very similar to... She's a combination of Toph Beifong from Avatar, if you know that character. Mm-hmm. So she's a combination of Naoto Shiragana and Toph in that you've got a very sickly girl. Well, not, I would say sickly, but that's another word. I'm going to use sickly just for convenience purposes, who basically was infantilized most of her life, was told that she couldn't do certain things because she was a girl. Mm-hmm. And as a result, she grew up having this very warped mindset of men and women that in order to make it as a metal singer you have to be a man kind of like how Naoto Shiragane in Persona 4 came to the belief because she didn't see a lot of like female detectives growing up that you have to be like a dude in order to be a great detective and this plays into her like her arc Hmm. of her coming to accept her feminine side instead of rejecting it Hmm, I see interesting so with that uh, I'm very curious to see like how that also plays into like her becoming a magical girl and utilizing her powers and so on. So sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, her element is water. So hmm. she, she can literally like freeze it or use her song to summon like icicle spikes to defend or or for offensive reasons. She's still being worked on, so I'm still tweaking the character. Sure, sure. <laughs> okay, but sounds exciting. Sounds like uh, it'll be fun. Um, it does seem like, from what we've seen so far, there's going to be a lot of action, so I'm really excited to see how that plays out. <laughs> yeah, great. And uh, is there anything else you wanted to share about, like, I guess, other other characters or anything like that? Um, if not, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I guess you're at least a couple more i don't mind i have a match rose is based off the yoruban goddess which yoruba is like nigerian culture based off like the yoruban goddess of the forest and animals aja and her element is the earth but this girl she's kind of like the polar opposite of kimiko the magical girl that i talked about Mm -hmm. this character's name is kamaria she's pretty much a girl that looks like a dude because she was bullied Growing up, she kind of is a a bit afraid of people, but at the same time, she wants to be friends with people Mm -hmm. because she is based on a goddess that's been known to be friendly. Unlike most nature gods, this particular god, she wants people to interact with nature. So she uses nature as a venue, as well as her own song as a venue to get people to know her. In her normal state, she looks no dif- different from a guy, but in her natural girl state, she is much more feminine. And her song, she's based off the Afro soul genre, okay. more specifically, a uh, African singer by the name of Mo Roots. 
Hmm. And I listen to some of her music and she has a beautiful voice. So it's kind of a juxtaposition of a girl that looks like a male having the most feminine, beautiful voice and being afraid to perform as herself because of how she grew up. Her only hmm. friends were like animals. So she usually just sings in the solitude with animals, taking like the whole like, you know, Disney princess concept, but actually making it more relevant here. Hmm, sure, sure. So her magical powers, she can like summon these animal like spears or animal like um projections to help fight or sometimes it's actual real animals to fight on her behalf if they are in proximity to her. She uses like nature as a venue to connect people. I see. Sounds pretty interesting. Great. I can tell you at least one more character. Yes, please go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. This one, she is Elamina. Elamina is based on like Mexican culture, but here because Black Rhapsody takes place in a world, a world that's like its own thing, it's kind of like a mishmash of different cultures together that are within the Latin American region. Okay. But for this character, she is a succubus, but she was raised in like a female abbot, and female abbey or apathy. I forgot how you pronounce it. Hmm. But she is based on Latin religious music. Basically Christian music, but with a Latin American flavor to it. Okay. I but see. here is it's kind of like repurposed differently for the world of Black Rhapsody because... Like I said, real life religions like Christianity don't really exist in this, in this world. The religions are like their own thing. Hmm, I see. Interesting. So for Edelavina, she is based on the Mesoamerican goddess Cantico, the goddess of the hearth, warriors, and jewelry. Hmm. For Edelavina, her story comes with the fact she wants to use music to spread her religion. But because she's a succubus, people don't really take her seriously. Hmm. There's gonna be a, like another sucky this character that's kind of like the um her dark counterpart in the story, mm-hmm. and people rather Ed Lavina be like her that succubus pop singer who by the way is based off of reggaeton as well as um a certain Latina in the music industry who is well known for you know singing very let's say inappropriate songs. Okay. To keep it PG. <laughs> okay. Her song, the song I'm referencing was, um, I think, at the top of the music chart a few years ago, and it's let's just say it represents uh her private area. That's what I want to say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so as Elvina tried to get over that, mm-hmm. she's still being worked on. But I could take her character in one or two ways: have her be a succubus that's asexual, or have her be a succubus with an intact sex drive that because of her religious values doesn't want to act on her needs hmm interesting so there's two ways i can take that character i'm kind of leaning towards the first because that's like i know that would be a bit more easier to write for me in in terms of how to tackle that Mm -hmm. but i don't know that's still like a work in practice thing so sure she uses her song as more as like she's more of a glass cannon type she can enhance the other girls but she can't really take much of a hit Mm-hmm. she's more of like a defense and support character rather than active fighter like the other girls hmm. you see those are also important so <laughs> yes yeah, she has like uh she does have some uh offense capabilities but it's not powerful compared to the others 
I see. Interesting. <laughs> so I'm curious, do you have like inspirations from specific music artists? Um, yes. With Aja, it was from Mo Roots, mm-hmm. who is an African soul artist that based her her music on like if this was like an anime, I would want the character to sound very similar to that artist. If possible, get that artist. Mm-hmm. But I don't think uh, I could do it as of yet, but I would, <laughs> I would love to have that be a thing. But yes, they are relatively based off of certain bands and music groups. Uh, Alethea slash Hecate was based on groups like the Cocktoo Twins, hmm. who are well known for being like uh, the pioneers of ethereal wave during the, it was the age of the 90s. Hmm, I see. And with Kimiko, for her, I forgot the name of the band because my, I'm not like a metal expert, but I think it was. I'm sorry, I I forgot. That's okay, no, no problem. But like you're still answering the question, like you know, basically there are you know real life inspirations for the various characters and their styles and so on, which is cool, you know. Yeah, I do reference like real life bands in the book, but in like a more like my own version of them. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> this is like kind of an urban fantasy setting where you have like magical creatures with um humans and stuff. So I kind of made them like my versions of that band. Hmm. I see. Well, that uh, sounds exciting. <laughs> we'll definitely have to look out for those uh, Easter eggs and so on. But yeah, is there anything else that you wanted to let future readers know or people who might be listening who haven't checked out the campaign yet and you've already reached your goal so you know congratulations but i'm sure there'll be people down the line that will still want to buy the the series so is there anything else that you can tell us <laughs> yes i passed my first stretch which is a alternate cover of the book with a not safe for work print so that will be available on certain certain perks the print will be available on most of the perks that feature the um prints as on them as well as the um alternate cover is now available as its own tier as part of the secret tier as well as the all-in-one tier automatically so if you back those tiers you get the alternate cover as well as the um print automatically hmm awesome Great. So, yeah, I think that's everything else I have to ask. So we are down to the last question, which is, do you have a magical persona of your own? Um, yes, I have. Um, her name is Rose Gold, and she's kind of the mascot of my brand. Hmm. She's like a frosting magical girl. You see, and uh, just for anyone who hasn't uh, been able to see her yet, can you tell us what she looks like or what power she has? Have you thought about things like that? Um, yes, she's an African-American magical girl whose dress is basically, she has a rose-themed dress where the rose petals are kind of like furling out of her her skirt, or basically it's her skirt. Mm-hmm. And she's mainly colored pink, gold, as well as red. Mm. Her powers, she has the power of love because roses are often associated with love. Of course, yeah. So she's able to um, replace negative emotions with um positive ones Ooh. would this be a magical girl in her own story or would she fit into the world of black rhapsody she would most likely 
be her own thing mm-hmm. if I were to make a story about her. Black Rhapsody is too dark for her. Okay. <laughs> I see, I see. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Very exciting. So thank you again for coming on the podcast. Where can people find you and your work and how can they support you? You can find me on Twitter at Magic Elm Media. You can support Black Rhapsody on Indiegogo. The links will be in the show notes, of course, but uh, in case somebody's listening, you know, after the project has already been completed and everything, would there be another place that they could go to to purchase the comic later on? Uh, no, other that, you can only get the comic on Indiegogo. Hmm. Okay. Hopefully people can get their hands on it. And if there are any updates to that, we'll add that to the show notes too. But yeah, thank you again for coming on and I hope you have a good rest of your day. You too. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, great. so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparkleSideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayu She Knows, A Y U S H E K N O W S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from by filling out the form in the show notes. You could also join the Discord for this podcast to talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Look for the link in the show notes. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co-fee.com slash you can also commission me for art there or buy a print on my imprint page. With a Kofi monthly membership, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, a Discord role, and your name read aloud on the podcast monthly. Another way to support us one time is by buying something off the Amazon Japan wishlist. This helps with getting more access to Magical Girl content that we can discuss in future episodes. Feel free to purchase from the used section as we are not picky here. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at A Few Bruises. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you are magical. Magical.